so. All right, John chapter 13 is where we'll, yes, ma'am. Need one down here? Okay. So Eli, I don't know if Eli is. So we just need one down here. All right, thank you guys. Thank you, Mary. That sounds good, I can see ahead of me. All right, uh, John chapter number 13 is where we are. John chapter 13 is where we'll be reading. Uh, just jumping in here again, John chapter 13. Thank you, Matt. John 13, uh, verse 2 over there. And uh, we've, uh, we've moved into the upper room as we move into John 13. I've said that a few times. We've spoken a few weeks now about John chapter 13. We've been studying through, if you're just joining us, through the book of John very slowly and very uh, uh, consistently, I guess, on Sunday mornings. We've been just unpacking the book of John as a book to help us know who Jesus Christ is. And that's really what your desire should want to be, to know who Jesus Christ is. So John is a great biography, so to speak, of him and his person. And as we've moved into that upper room, uh, and as we move into that upper room, we're getting all kinds of instructions for disciples, people that want to be following Jesus Christ. And I hope that's the crowd I'm talking to today, someone that's, you know, taken some time out uh, to sit here because you want to know a little bit more about Jesus Christ, you want to follow him, you want to be closer to him. So John chapter 13, as we kind of segue into that upper room, the kind of language changes, the topics change. The first thing we saw in John chapter 13 many weeks ago was we saw the love Jesus Christ has for his disciples. I mean, that's the first thing that John chapter 13 kind of presents to you, because if you're a disciple today, and you're trying to follow the Savior today, it gets rough out there, and you need to be reminded off the bat that Jesus Christ loves you unto the end. That's the first thing he wants to let you know, his love. And then number two we saw a little bit last week, that the next big topic he touches on, after the love of Christ, is the love of Christians for their fellow disciples, right? We're supposed to be overwhelmed with the love of Jesus Christ for us, and that's supposed to spill out and overwhelm each other with the love we have one for another, right? That's that kind of first two topics. And then we get to this third topic for disciples. In John chapter 13, we see the two washings a disciple needs to experience. You can't be a good disciple if you don't experience these two washings. Look at verse 2. I'll start reading. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter. And Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. So he thought he needed to get his feet washed to be with Jesus. Watch the next verse. Um, Simon Peter, uh, Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, he that is washed needeth not, meaning you don't need to get washed again once you've been washed. He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. 
For he knew who should betray him, therefore said he, you're not all clean. So after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you? That could be a little confusing, so we're going to unpack it. He comes over to Peter and says, I got to wash your feet. And he says, I'm not going to wash my feet. He says, well, if, you don't, if I don't wash you, you can't be with me. Then he says, okay, wash me all over the place. He says, no, 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 once you're washed, one washing, all you got to do is get your feet washed, a second washing. See, there's two washings a disciple needs to experience. Now, if you look at verse number seven, he, those disciples were probably looking at Jesus the way most of you were looking back at me. Connor, as my grandmother would say, stunat, right? A little bit like, what, right? He says, what I'm doing, verse seven, you don't understand now, but you're gonna understand in a little while. So what Jesus Christ was doing, they didn't understand it then, but Jesus was giving them a preview of what was coming, what we enjoy right now in Christ's church. So he's giving them a little foretaste of it. And in verse number 12, he kind of looks at them and says, do you understand Know ye what I have done to you? He wants us to understand, folks. Jesus Christ wants his disciples to understand these two washings. So here's my question. Are you a disciple? Oh my goodness, we need help, right? (laughs) Are you a disciple? Okay, let's make sure I'm in the right auditorium, all right? Well, don't answer this out loud because I need something to preach. But do you know that there are two washings that have to take place in your life. Do you understand, that? don't answer out loud, but do you understand that if you're saved, and that's a Bible word, don't get afraid of it. If you're saved, that means you're going to heaven and your sins are forgiven. If you're saved, you are washed, but you need to be washed. So as we look into the upper room, we're going to consider, and I guess this could be the title, the two washings. The two washings, the two washings of a disciple. Let's pray and then we'll jump into our Bible here. Lord, we love you today. We thank you today. And we're going to do a little bit of teaching here today, Lord. I pray it would be helpful and instructive and give people an understanding of doctrine and also some practical things. And Lord, if there is someone here that maybe they're trying to wash their feet and do good deeds and cleanse themselves, Lord, but unless they've been washed by your blood, Lord, they are not clean. So I pray, Lord, if there's someone that is not saved and doesn't understand what that means, you might show them their need and save them for your your glory of your son's sake. For we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So I want you to stay right there. And I want to say, I'm going to do a little comparing and contrasting. Because that's the best way you learn, right? When you compare and contrast. So we're going to talk about these two washings, okay? The first one. First, you've got to be washed in the blood. After that, you have to be washed by the book, right? First, you got to be washed in the blood. After that, and only after that, you got to be washed by the book. Now, number one, when you're washed in the blood, we sang about it today, when you're washed in the blood, God cleanses your sins and saves your soul. Amen? Anybody like that here? Amen. When you're washed by the book, God cleanses your spots and saves your life. They are not the same washing. Go to Colossians chapter number one, please. Colossians chapter one. 
Again, this is going to be a little bit more teaching and doctrine, but I want to try to make it practical too. But we have to understand this because Jesus wants his disciples to get this. We got to get these two washings straight, right? The first one, you're washed in the blood. After that, you got to get washed by the book. Colossians chapter 1, verse number 12. If you're there, say amen. All right, Colossians 1.12, and I talk way too fast for our visitors. I talk way too fast, and that's why we record the message, so you could listen to it again, right? All right, watch, play it on 0.75 speed, because I talk at like 1.5 speed, all right? Colossians 1, verse 12, giving thanks unto the Father, and he's talking to Christians, you read that in verse 2, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us Christians meet or sfitted to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us, amen, from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have right now redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Are you washed in the blood? Right? Does your Bible say through his blood in Colossians 1.14? Some Bibles take that phrase out. I don't know who would want to take out references to the blood. I don't know who would have a problem with the blood. I don't know who would take issue with the blood. I wonder if there's anybody out there that would hate the fact that there's a blood that was shed that can wash people's sins away and give them eternal life. I just wonder. Maybe you have a suspicion as to who might not like the blood. I wonder if it's the one that gets overcome by the blood of the lamb in Revelation 12. So make sure your Bible in Colossians 1 verse 14 says, through his blood. That's a really important truth there. Revelation 1.5 says this. Don't flip there. says, Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Right? Jesus Christ shed his blood not to start a company to wash your sins away. If, he, if there was another way you could get them clean, what was he wasting his time getting whipped and pierced on a cross? Leviticus 17, 11 says, why did Jesus Christ have to shed his blood? It wasn't enough that you just killed him. It wasn't enough that he just died. It was the manner of his death. He had to shed his blood, for it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. Your blood's no good. That's why you die. You could take every supplement, eat wonderfully. Guess what? You're still going to die. Because there's something wrong with your blood. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. There's something running through my flesh that's corrupt and tainted ever since the Garden of Eden. And that's why 10 out of 10 people die. Now go to Romans chapter 3. You could shed your own blood for sins. I could shed my blood for your sins. But it ain't going to clean anything because it's like washing your hands with mud. It's just going to make you dirtier. Right? You need something clean. You need somebody's spotless blood, somebody's pure blood to be shed for you because your blood's no good. So what did God do? Emptied of his glory, God became a man. He took on flesh and blood. Acts 20, 28 says he had God's blood running through his veins and he climbed up on that cross and he shed the spotless blood of God to atone for your dirty sins. That's called a substitutionary death, a vicarious atonement. He was doing something that you couldn't do yourself. And in Romans chapter 3, it says this, Romans 3, Romans 3, look at verse 19. 
Romans 3.19 says this. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. The Ten Commandments don't get you to heaven. They get you out of heaven. Right? You sit there say, well, how do you get to heaven? Well, I didn't kill anybody. And the Bible says, yeah, but your hatred is like murder. You ever hated anybody? <laughs> well, I, don't, I try to tell the truth. And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, but that says don't lie. <laughs> right? You say, well, I just try to do the best I can. Jesus said you got to love God first with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's the first commandment. How many days of your life have you ever done that one or broken that one? You know what the law does? It doesn't help us. It just leaves us helpless in need of a Savior. It stops your mouth. Hey, God, I think I'm good enough to get to heaven. Okay, let me just break out these ten cannons and just shoot down your self-righteousness. Have you ever taken something that wasn't yours? Have you ever disobeyed your parents? Have you ever failed to put me first? Have you ever taken my name in vain? And boo, 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 boo. Oh, yeah, I guess I am guilty. I guess I am a sinner. I guess I need help, right? That's what they're there for. 21, but now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all, John Calvin, and upon all them that believe. Now you get that righteousness by believing what Jesus Christ did for you. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified, watch that next word, freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, a a payment for God's wrath, someone to take the punishment for you through faith in his blood. See that? To be saved, you got to put your faith in Christ's blood to wash away your sins. When that happens, that's when salvation comes to you. I say, I don't know. Am I trusting that? Well, let me ask you a question. Why should God let you into heaven? What do you got when God says, okay, the bill is due. It's time for you to pay for your sins. What are you reaching for? You're reaching for your good works. You're reaching for, I went to church this Sunday. You're reaching for, I'm a pretty good guy. You're reaching for, I didn't run anybody over this week. If you're reaching for anything else but the blood of Jesus Christ, you're lost. You don't, the payment was made. You got to put your faith in the payment that he made on that cross. We sing it all the time. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Now go back to John 13. Now watch this, watch this. Go back to John 13. Stick something in John 13. Stick something in there. John 13. Look at verse number seven. Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. If you have never experienced that washing, that first washing, if you haven't been washed in the blood, you have no part with Christ. You can't be with him. You can't be near him. You're not in his family. You're not in his bloodline. You're lost. That's a Bible word. I'm not hating on you. The Bible word is lost. And Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. If you're not washed in the blood, the Bible doesn't pull any punches. He sends it right down the plate. You're lost. You're on your way to hell if you're not washed in the blood. That sin is still on you. 
But in verse number nine, look what he says. Well, Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. So if I, if I got to get washed to be with you, Lord, then just scrub me down. Just, just wash me, you know, get the fire hose out and pfft, shoot me up here. I, whatever I got to do to be with you, Jesus, I want to be with you. And Jesus saith to him, watch this very carefully. He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit and ye are clean. He's telling Peter, I don't have to wash you. I don't have to wash your soul again, Peter, because if you've experienced that first washing, he says, you're washed and you're clean right now. And he says it even further. He says, you're clean every whit. You know what that word wit means? It means down to the smallest part or particle imaginable. Every little nook and cranny of sin that's in your soul, heart, and mind, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses it all away when you're washed to that moment of salvation, that washing of regeneration that the Bible gives you when you believe the gospel. Listen, in the Old Testament, that wasn't the case. In the Old Testament, they're slaying the blood of bulls and goats and all those things. You know, they had to keep doing it. Because all those things could do in the Old Testament, they could only pay for the sins of the past. They could only pay for the sins that were committed. But first John tells me, the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin, past, present, and future. He atones for all of them. Listen, listen. Read 13.10 again. Look at 13.10. I'm not making it up. He says, he that is washed... Are you washed? We sing it, right? Are you washed in the blood? Are you washed? It's a denotation. Is that you? Are you in the category called washed? You know, you go over to the kitchen and say, are these dishes clean or dirty? Oh, no, they're washed. Okay, so they've been, they're washed. That's the state of those dishes, right? They're washed. That's their position, right? If your soul's been washed in the blood, he says, he that is washed needeth not. I don't have to wash you again, Peter. Save, except... To wash his feet. Now he's saying, if your soul's been washed in the blood, you only need to wash your feet now, disciples. All you got to worry about is your defeat now. Now, just hear this contrast. The blood of Jesus Christ is the way to God. Got that? First washing. The book of Jesus Christ helps your walk with God. You got that? The blood gives you a standing as God's son, as a gift by grace. We got that? The book helps your state as God's servant every day. They're not the same washing. Notice what he says at the end of 13. He says, but is clean every whit and ye are clean. He said that to Peter before he washed his feet. He says, you're clean. He hadn't washed Peter's feet yet. Peter's getting all like tight. You know, he's like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? He said, no, no, no. If you're washed, you're clean. I just got to wash your feet. He said, wow. Go to John chapter 15. Go to John chapter 15. So in John chapter 13, he says, ye are clean. He says that before he washed all their feet. John chapter 15. Now he's washed all their feet. He's talking to them. And look what he says to them in John chapter 15, verse 3. John 15, 3, he says, now, John 15, 3, now you're clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Huh? Before he washed their feet, he says, you're clean. 
And then after he washes their feet, then he says, well, now, now that I've washed all your feet, now you're clean through the word. Jesus said that after he washed all their feet. You say, huh? Huh? How do you reconcile that? There's two washings for a disciple, right? There's two washings. The blood cleanses your soul and the book cleanses your feet. Right? If you're saved, you know what you need now? You need your feet taken care of because you're in the Lord's army now and you got to take care of your feet. Right? You know what your feet do? Your feet stabilize you and they let you stand upright. Hey, do you want to be a stable Christian who could stand up for God? Right? You know what you got to do? You got to take care of your feet now, Christian. You got to wash those feet with that book. Now that you've been washed from your sins in his blood, you got to get that book in your life so your feet get taken care of. Why? Because I want to be able to stand. I want to be able to stand up. Right? I don't want to be a beast on my belly, on the floor, unable to stand like an animal. A lot of Christians are. They're just like beasts, like, you know, just crawling around on the earth. They're not standing like trees of righteousness. You know what your feet also do? Your feet allow you to move, right? You allow you to walk. They allow you to run. They allow you to jump over obstacles and stuff like that. You know what? Do you want to walk with God? Amen. Do you want to run your race? Amen. You want to jump over that wall like David described, jumping over those obstacles the enemy put in his way? Guess what? You got to take care of your feet. You need that book to wash your feet. You know why those feet are so important? Like I said last week, your feet are making contact with the dirty earth every time you move. It's the only part of me that's touching the dirty earth. You know what you're going to do? You're going to get dirty. You got to wash your feet. If you've washed your soul, you've got to now wash your feet. That's the first big difference. Number two, go to Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> Let me give you another one, another big difference. So first, you've got to be washed in the blood. I hope you are, right? Then you've got to be washed by the book. Here's another big difference, Ephesians chapter 5. First, the first washing is a big one, an important one. The first washing happens only once. The second washing needs to happen every day. Every day. Every day. Ephesians chapter 5, down by verse 25. Listen, I, I can't impress it upon you enough. If you're a disciple, you need to understand these two washings. You'll never be able to minister effectively if you don't. In Ephesians 5.25, we see both washings here. Husbands, love your wives... Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Jesus Christ did all the work for you to experience that first washing. It's right there in verse 25. He loved you, past tense, on Calvary's hill. Why? On the cross, he shed his blood to wash away your sins. That is finished and done. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. I'll show you how done it is. Hebrews chapter 10, which is towards the back of your Bible. That washing that Jesus Christ did in the past is never to be repeated ever again. It was done once for all forever. That's why he did. That's why he said it is finished as his dying words on that cross on Calvary's hill. And in Hebrews 10, verse 10, we're going to see that this is never to be repeated. Hebrews 10, 10, Hebrews 10, 10. 
by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. All right? A lot of problems there, John Calvin, but I won't go into that. Verse 11. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. You know what happened when Jesus, you know, bowed his head? The veil of the temple was rent in twain, right? And God said, hey, you priest, you're all out of business. I'm making a way that anybody could come by the blood of Jesus Christ now. You guys are out of business. But you know what they did. You know what they did. Somebody got a needle and a thread, and they sewed that sucker back up, and they went back to work, shedding the bloods of bulls and calves and goats and all that stuff, just like they were doing before Jesus Christ died on the cross. You know what God is saying right there? They're wasting their time. Those things can't take away sins. Now, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ died on the cross and shed his blood to wash your sins away. But you know what religion is doing today? They're doing the same things they did before he died on the cross. They're thinking those things they're doing could somehow wash away their sins. And the Bible says it can never take away sins. It was the blood of Jesus Christ that could take away sins. Verse number 12. But this man, speaking of God manifest in the flesh, Jesus Christ, after he had offered... Now, I'm not a smart guy. I am an English teacher, but that doesn't I mean, I'm smart. I just want to just help me with these words here. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever. Okay, I think I got those. That's okay. All right. Sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. In just case you're in the slow class like me, verse 14. For by, oh, there it is again. One Offering, that's, what does that mean? What could that possibly mean? One, 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 O-N-E. Can I get the country of origin? One. We're using a sentence. One, one, singular, one, one. One offering he has perfected. Oh, there it is again. Forever them that are sanctified. So that sacrifice Jesus Christ did 2,000 years ago was never to be repeated, never to be replicated, not every Sunday, not every Wednesday, not any day. It was once for all forever. And just in case you didn't get it, look at Hebrews chapter 9 across the page and look at verse 12. Look at 9.12, just in case we need one more shot of this, 9.12. You say, you angry? No, I'm only like frustrated with those systems that deceive people and make you think I'm the oddball. There's no way you read the New Testament and think that you've got to keep getting saved over and over again and keep getting washed over and over again from your sins. That is so foreign to the New Testament church as anything is to anything. Hebrews 9.12 says this. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, thank you, Jesus, he entered in, oh, there it is again, once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. You know what that means, eternal redemption? It means it's forever, like it says in the other chapter. Jesus Christ's blood was offered once, to obtain eternal redemption for us. A redemption that never ends. Now, Jesus used this metaphor in John chapter 3. He looked at a guy who was very religious named Nicodemus and said, hey, ye must be born again. He didn't say, it's just the way I see it, or it's my... He said, ye must be born again. He said, why did Jesus use the metaphor of birth to be like our salvation because you're born once physically, right? Not every day. 
mommy, I want to come back out again. Right? No, once we'd have a lot of problems if it happened. There'd be a lot less population if you had to keep getting born every day to be your mommy and your daddy's child. No, it happened once for all, for at one time. Some of the ladies are saying, amen, once, right? But you're born, and you're born once spiritually. See the parallel? He said, you're born into God's family once, you're washed in the blood once, you become God's child once by faith in what Jesus Christ did 2,000 years ago. Does that make sense? I don't think, that's a good illustration, Jesus. That was a good metaphor, God. It's like you know everything, right? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now we're going to just, just go a little deeper here and just see if you can follow me here. So when you trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, as Stephen was singing, and we didn't coordinate, but your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you are born again. You are born into God's family. You are born spiritually. Now look what God says about Christians here in 1 Corinthians 6. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Paul writes to this Corinthian church, and he says, Know ye not, that's like Italian for like, what's the matter with you? Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Please notice the emphasis there is on the people. A fornicator, an idolater, an abuser. He's focusing on these people, these unrighteous people, these people that are outside God's family, don't get into the kingdom of God. And such, 11, were past tense some of you. Some of you were fornicators. Some of you were idolaters. Some of you were extortioners. Some of you were thieves. Not all of you were everything, but some of you fit that list. That's who you were. And he says, and such were some of you, but ye, that word is not like a drunken pirate, ye, that ye means all of you guys. All of you that are in this church in Corinth, ye are washed. Ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The Holy Spirit said to that church, all of you Corinthian believers are washed. You got me? Now go to chapter 5, right before that. He just told those people, all of you, that's what the word ye means. That's why we like our King James Bible, that it has that word ye, because ye is precise pronoun. It means the whole group I'm talking to. So he's writing a letter to all those Corinthians, and he says, all of you are washed in the, by the name of the Jesus Christ, justified in the name of the Jesus Christ, right? Now look at, now, look at verse, chapter 5, verse 1. Same church. Same ye, same group. It is reported commonly that there is fornication among you. And such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Woo! Chapter 6, he says, you guys are not fornicators anymore. You guys are not idolaters anymore. You've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. You're new creatures. The previous chapter, he says, but some of you guys are still doing some dastardly stuff. He didn't say they're fornicators anymore. He says, you guys are doing some fornication. There was a guy in that church that was sleeping with his father's wife. 
And he says, the Gentiles don't even do that stuff. And you're a child of God. You're in the church of God. And you're doing something like that. Wow. That's still in that ye. In chapter 6, when he said, ye are washed, that ye included that guy. And that lady. And that family. And those people that were just turning their eyes to it. They were all in the same ye. Look at verse 9 of chapter 5. Some of you that bothers your self-righteousness. Look at verse 9. Look what he says in verse 9. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to keep company with fornicators. Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, nor extortioners, or with idolaters. For them ye must needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother. See what he's saying? He says, you guys got to put that guy out of the church. I told you, if there's one of the brethren that are doing those dastardly deeds and it's known among people, kick that sucker out for the name of Christ. He says, but I don't expect you to kick the guy at the job out or the lost neighbor out because then you'd have to go run and hide in a cave, right? He says, we're not dealing with the world now. He says, if somebody's a brother and doing that stuff, you got to put him out. And that's not a fun thing to do, but it happens sometimes. you got to ask somebody to leave because they're just living a life that is approached to the name of Christ. But that guy was in the ye. That guy was in the church. That guy is in that washed. Why? Because that's about his soul's position. That's about his sins being forgiven before God, not his life down here. You realize when Jesus told Peter, he said, he that is washed... You know who he was talking to, right? Peter, who in the next few hours was going to betray Jesus Christ and curse him. Some of us are too self-righteous. We think, well, I couldn't have been saved. I don't know. I just know that that says right there that guy was in that church. He was part of those saints. And he says, put that guy out. He's a brother who's fornicating. Get him out of the church, right? He, but he was in that washed. He's in that group. He's in that body. It's in 1 Corinthians. He's in there. Some of you are getting nervous. Am I forgiving sin? No, I'm just getting my Bible straight. There's one washing that applies to your soul. There's another washing that applies to your life. And disciples need both washings because you could be forgiven of your sins before God, but live like a hound before men, right? It can happen. It can happen. And God put people in the Bible like Moses, who was a killer, and David, who was an adulterer, just to step all over your self-righteousness. Right? Some of the biggest heroes of the faith did some of the most dastardly deeds, but they could get forgiven and get it right. right? Got to get the two washings straight first. The first washing is about salvation. It's when God changes you from sinner to saint, from stranger to son, and gives you a new standing in Christ, makes you a new creature, borns you again. Go back to Ephesians 5. Let me show you. Let me try to convince the gainsayers. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, verse number 1. <clears throat> oh, help me. Ephesians 5, 1. <clears throat> Be therefore, now watch this now. Are you God's child? Watch it now. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, <laughs> like a child that wants to be with his daddy. And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, past tense, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. But fornication, the action, 
See that? Not the person, the action. And all uncleanness or covetousness, the action. Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. He says, you're not a fornicator anymore, but don't you fornicate. You're not an extortioner anymore to me, but don't you extort. He says, you don't do those deeds anymore that you used to do because you're a new person now in Christ. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, the person, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. You're not a child of disobedience anymore if you're saved. You're a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ. That's how you get get born again. You get taken out of one family and put into another family. And now that you're in God's family, he says, don't live like you're still in that family. He says, you don't fornicate. Because you know no whoremonger will get in. See that? Those people aren't getting in. Don't you act like those people. Verse number six, uh, verse seven. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. For ye, he's talking to Christians, were sometimes darkness. You were one of them. You were in that family. You were lost. But now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. He says, you may do those things, but you are not those people to God anymore. You're his children. Walk like it. Why would he tell you to walk like it? It's because sometimes people don't walk like it. They're his child, but they don't walk like it. Listen, once that baby is born, you can't unborn him no matter what they say in Congress, right? And once you've been born again, you can't be unborn again. Once you're saved the right way, truth and spirit, you can't be lost again, not in the New Testament church. Now your children, and don't say amen to this because I know it hurts. Your children may break your heart, right? Your children may break your heart, but they're always your children by blood. Because they're in your bloodline. Now, Ephesians 5.26 is right across the page. That's the first washing. You want to see the second washing? It's right after that. He says, that he gave himself, that he might cleanse, sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Jesus Christ gave his church, after they got saved, he gave his church the book, the water of his word, to wash your feet. You see the difference? This second washing is not about salvation. It's about sanctification. This second washing doesn't cleanse your soul. That was done the moment you believe. This second washing cleanses your vessel, your eyes and your mind and your heart and your hands and your walk. This second washing isn't one and done. The first washing is one and done. It is finished, Jesus says. The second washing is ongoing for the believer. It has to happen every day, every minute, sometimes every moment. You got to keep reminding yourself of God's promises. And the second washing isn't about Christ's work. It's not all about what Jesus did on the cross. It's conditional on you, Christian, that he might sanctify it. 
That means he's given you the book. He's given you the Holy Spirit. Will you let him do that work in you now? That he might. He wants to, but he won't force you to. See, Jesus Christ, I hope I'm making sense here. I'll, I'll clean it up. If I, Jesus Christ finished all the work to save your soul. Praise God. You apply the blood by faith. That's how you get saved. Lord, you did that for me. Save me. Save me because of what Jesus Christ did. It ain't about this church or any other church or me or anybody else up here. You don't have to ever walk in these doors again. We don't want your money, your time, or your signature. We want you to be saved. You get saved by... Ask another hundred churches if that's the message they're sending out. They want you to sign up, log in, do this. No, you come to Christ without any man. You come to Christ and then finish sacrifice and you apply that blood by faith and God borns you again forever. But if you're saved, you got to do some work now. You got to apply the book by works. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You know why Christians who name the name of Christ and I believe are blood-washed and heaven-bound why some of their lives are just a mess? Because they don't put the work in. They don't put the time in. They don't put the work in. They don't care. And they're saved and they're washed as far as their soul is concerned. But you couldn't tell them apart from a pig with, that, with a magnifying glass. Because they don't put the work and the time into this word to wash their feet and order their steps in God's word. You know what Spurgeon said one time? A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to a Christian who isn't. Right? Right? If all your pages are stuck together, I wonder how your walk with God is doing. Right? Now look at verse 27. You know why we clean up our walk? Because we're going to walk into heaven one day. We're going to walk into a judgment seat of Christ one day. And he says that, that he might present it to himself, meaning his church, a glorious church, not having, now watch this, you got to read every word, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it, the church, should be holy and without blemish. Do you please notice something that the second washing isn't about washing sins? Do you see in verse 27, he doesn't mention sins. He mentions spots and wrinkles and blemishes. See, the second washing is about cleansing spots and wrinkles and blemishes. The things of this earth that are sticking to you and try to cling to you, this word of God is supposed to get those things out and get those things off so you could stand before your bridegroom unashamed because you did the work, workman, and applied the book. Let me say something that's going to make your head spin. Positionally, as far as you and God is concerned, as far as your soul is concerned, positionally, you have a standing before God of sinless perfection in Christ. Right? Up there, there is no record of your sins anymore. They haven't just been sealed. They've been expunged. They're gone. He taketh away the sin of the world. They're gone. Right, we sing that song. What sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. Right, there's a hymn about that. It's not like he's got them hidden in file 13. They're gone. They're gone. Jesus Christ got rid of them. Up there, you, the devil's accusing you. He's saying, Pat Mishanya, you love Pat Mishanya? You think Pat Mishanya saved? Look what he did. Look at his record. He says, I, I can't find any evidence against him. It's all gone. Right? 
that's positional. But practically, down here, practically your state needs constant perfecting. You need constant perfecting down here in your walk because you know what? You still struggle with sins down here. You still struggle with anger and you still struggle with lust and you still struggle with pride. Legally, God has forgiven it, but practically you need God's help to overcome it down here. There's a difference between standing and state. Listen, not to be crude, but I'll be crude. Every woman bleeds when she gives birth. Every woman bleeds when she gives birth. You know that that God was showing us? There's no birth without blood. Salvation. Blood. First washing. But once mommy has that baby, she doesn't wash him in blood anymore. She washes him with water. Sanctification. Second washing. And you wash that baby with water every day so he doesn't stink. And he doesn't get sick. And Christian, you could be washed in the blood. Praise God. But if you're not in this book every day, your feet and your walk are going to stink. They're going to stink. And if your feet stay dirty for too long... Damp socks, bad shoes, all that stuff. You know what could happen? You could end up getting infections. You could end up getting painful wounds on your feet. And I was reading about how you could even die by getting something in your feet because there's so much bacteria down there that if you're not washing that thing every day, you could end up dying from an infection. You could end up crippled from an infection. You could end up losing those feet because of infection. Those things don't need to get washed in the blood. They need to get washed in water every day. Every day, every day. 27, he says, because he wants you to walk into heaven a glorious church. Hey, man, if the trumpet blew this afternoon, that would be pretty good for me. We don't need to go to the mission later tonight. I'd be more than happy to have the service up around the throne. I know Josh might have a message. He could save it. You know, well, I'd be more than happy to never have to preach again. The Lord's got much better messages to preach to us. He wants you to be a glorious church. Don't you want to walk in on your own two feet, strong and unashamed? Doesn't mean you're perfect, but you tried your best. You kept applying the book. You kept seeking it out. You kept learning it. You kept memorizing it. You kept getting strong with it. Why? So you could walk in there glorious, not ashamed. How do you want to present yourself? That's your presentation day, man. What bride wants to show up on, on, on the wedding day with holes and snot and mud slinging on her dress? You know, here I am, you know. No, she wants to look there perfect and pristine and beautiful without spot or blemish. That's what you should be your desire, church, because you're going to see your bridegroom. You want to walk in there gloriously or do you want to limp in? You know, you want to limp in like just falling apart. Do you want your life to smell a stink? Or a sweet savor of Christ. Because your life smells. It either smells like Jesus Christ or it smells like you. So when God just reaches over and says, let me get a whiff of you. You smell like Pat Mashanya after three days. My goodness, you need some of the book applied to your life right there. Or does he get to go, that that smells like my son. You you smell like my son. That's, That's a blessing. You know what he says right there? He should be holy without spot or blemish. You know that's, that's what your Savior is? Your Savior is without spot or blemish. You know what God wants for you, church? He wants you to grow up into Christ. He wants you to be coming more and more like Jesus Christ. So are you being conformed to Jesus Christ? Is the state of your walk 
becoming more like your standing in Christ. Your standing is supposed to be making your state more like the Savior. And finally, and very briefly, stay right there. Go back, uh, go to 2 Corinthians 1. This last one's short, but I was going to end with this one here. Number one, we said, first you got to be washed in the blood. After that, you have to be washed by the book. Second, we said the first washing happens only once. The second washing needs to happen every day. And third and finally, the first washing is for your cleansing. The second washing is for your communion. That's the difference. The first washing is to get you clean so you become a child of God. The second washing is so you can continue your communion as a child with God. Listen, if you're my blood, my boys and my daughter, if you're my blood, right, you're in my family, you belong in my house, right? You have a right to be there because you're my blood. But if you're going to come in, wash your feet, Wipe your feet before you walk around my house and make a mess of things, right? You have a right to be there. God says, come into my house, come and dine. But hey, if you want to commune with me, wipe your feet before you come in. Christians, you have a right to the Father's house. You're his child. You could come and go as often as you please. You could enter into the holiest of all by the blood of Jesus Christ. But please, if you want to keep that communion and get close to him, wipe your feet. Wash your feet. You know, in the tabernacle in the Old Testament, God set up this tent. You know, the first thing you saw when you stepped up to that tent was a brazen altar. The first thing the sinner saw was a brazen altar where animals were having their bloodshed for sins. That was the first thing. Once you got past that, once you, once you got into the ministry and were able, one of those Levites or priests, to go beyond the altar, you know what you saw next? You saw a laver. You saw this big like bowl or bowl on top of a bowl with this looking glass inside of it with water inside of it that would wash your hands and your feet. Those things you use as you minister and deal with people. Listen, if you're lost today, if this message is going out and you're like, I'm not sure if I'm saved, you're among people that love you, that want you to be saved, that don't want anything from you. You don't have to hold on to your wallet. We don't want your wallet. Keep your wallet. I don't care about your money. I don't care about your signature. I don't care about your subscription or your signing on. Keep it all, you know, but we want you to be saved. And if you're lost The first thing you need to see is that brazen altar. The first thing you need to see is that sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for your sins. That's the first thing he showed them in the Old Testament. It's the first thing you got to get right now. That somebody shed his blood for you to be justified with God. That's the first thing you got to see. What were Jesus Christ's last words? It is finished. Why do you say that? Because all that's left for you to do, sinner, is believe the payment that was made already. Stand on that promise that was made. And Jesus Christ gave his life so you could get that first benefit from that first washing by faith. Amen. Got it? Second Corinthians 1. But if you are saved, say amen. amen. Okay, okay. Don't just say it. You know, know it. If you're saved, the next thing you need to see beyond that altar are the scriptures Jesus gave to help you serve. 
The sinner had to see the altar to get him saved. And beyond the altar was that bowl of water, that that laver to wash himself. Because the next thing you got to see as you minister with God and you join his ministry and you labor and get close to him, the next thing you got to see are the scriptures, the water God gave you to help you serve now, to help you minister now. Hey, just like the incarnate word said it is finished. You know what the written word says at the end? It is finished. The last few verses of the Bible say there's nothing to add to this book and there's nothing to take away. It's like they're pretty close, right? The, the, the incarnate word said it is finished. Nothing to add or take away. And the written word says it is finished. Nothing to add or take away in their, in their last breaths. So that means all that's left for you, Christian, to do is obey. Just obey. Just do what God says. And just like how you got the first benefit by faith, there's a second benefit that you can get by your work. Seek 2 Corinthians 1.15. 2 Corinthians 1.15 says, And in this confidence, I was minded to come unto you before that she might have a second benefit. You see that? Jesus Christ gave his life that you might have the first benefit. Now the question is, will you give your life that you might experience the second benefit? The victory and the power and the communion that you can have with God by you putting in the time and you applying that book and you working it out in your life. Why? So you can overcome. Jesus Christ overcame hell for you, but you got to overcome some stuff down here if you want to live in the promised land of victory. You see? First benefit, second benefit. First washing, second washing. Jesus Christ's work, your work. If you never get these two washings uh, straight, you're going to make a mess of your Bible and you're going to make a mess of your life. We're going to end in John 13. I'm going to show you right now and then we'll close. I just want to impress upon you that if you don't get these things straight, if you don't realize there's two washings for a believer, you will bumble through your Bible and you will bumble through life. See John 13, look at verse 8. Peter saith unto him, meaning Jesus, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, um, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus saith to him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean. You see that right there? Peter is called clean before Jesus washed his feet. You got that? Next verse, keep reading. He said, and ye are clean, but not all. For he knew who should betray him. Therefore said he, ye are not all clean. So after he had washed their feet, Peter is called clean before the Lord washes his feet. Judas had his feet washed and he still said to not be clean. He washed all their feet, Judas is included, and Judas is still not clean because it was a heart thing. It was a belief thing. He says, Peter, I got to wash your feet, but you're clean. Judas, I could wash your feet, but you're not clean. What am I saying? You can read the Bible all day long and split hell like a bullet. 
You can go to church. You can do religious things. You could punch your religious card, give your money to the poor, make your pilgrimages, do your rites and rituals. And if Jesus Christ has not washed your heart and your soul with his blood, doesn't matter if he washes your feet, doesn't matter if you memorize that book from cover to cover, you're going to hell faster than you could say Judas Iscariot. Conversely, conversely, you can be blood washed and heaven bound and still live like you're going to hell. There's two washings. The first washing got you fire insurance. A lot of people like that. You know why? It's free. Jesus Christ paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. The second washing keeps you in fellowship with Christ. And a lot of people couldn't care less about that. Because you know why? That's going to cost you something, Christian. That's going to be time and work and tears. And some of us are so cold towards the Savior, we couldn't care. As long as we're going to heaven, we don't care if we do a lick for God or bring him any pleasure. He hooked us up, and now he's your sugar daddy, and when you need him, you'll call him. First washing, second washing. Let me ask you some questions. Are you saved? Do you want to serve the Lord? Spend time with him? You need that second washing, man. Hey, are you glad you're clean? Are you glad it was all done at Calvary and finished? Are you glad about that? Well, then, does that gratitude make you willing to keep your feet clean so you could stay close to Christ? See what this upper room, look at verse 5. We're going to read this and pray. After that, he poureth water into a basin, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with he was girded. Then cometh he to Simon Peter, and Peter saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. You know what that upper room is all about? It's about Jesus Christ getting his disciples ready to serve, to minister. That's not a message for the world. It's a message for us. Those of us that know him, those of us that want to serve him, those that want to be in the ministry with him, you know what? He says, you guys, you got to get your feet washed if you're going to serve. That's what the upper room was all about. It's, up, it's about us. It's information for us. And you know, Pete was, he's been talking to me about feet the last few weeks, Pete. Pete and feet, right? But you know what? In the service, in the military, he was just reminding me how much you got to take care of your feet. They issue you different sets of boots. They make sure you got good socks. Make sure you take care of your feet. Because you know why? If your feet go bad, you're useless. You can't march. You can't walk. You can't do anything. You get a bum arm. You can still maybe, if you got one good hand, maybe you can still pull a trigger. But you know what? If your feet are shot, you're not going anywhere in the Lord's army. You got to take care of your feet. And there's Jesus Christ getting his army ready. And he says, guys, you've been washed in the blood, but you got to take care of your feet, soldiers. You got to take care of your feet or you're going to be no good in my army. And if you want to fight the good fight of faith as Christ's disciples, you need two washings. You had the first one done the day you got saved. You need that other one every minute, every moment, every day, every hour, if need be. You need the blood to make you free and you need the book to help you fight. Those are the two washings of the disciples. Have you had both of them? Let's stand for prayer.